Hey everyone, this is Corinne Lafont, your favorite radio host, your only radio host and favorite girl, of course, broadcasting to you from the lovely island of Trinidad and Tobago in the Caribbean on Between the Lines. And you know I always start my show off with gratitude or thankfulness. You know, it's been a blessed day. It's afternoon here for me now. So that's awesome. I had a previous episode earlier today and so it's afternoon here and the weather is just absolutely awesome. I should be on a beach instead of talking to my guest. <laughs> yes, I totally, yes, yes. I totally agree. Yes, I should be on a beach. What am I doing? I must be losing my mind. Yeah, putting him as priority. Hmm. Anyway, so I am so thankful to be here and to have him on my show. His name is Stephen Howard. And what are we talking about today, Stephen? Are leaders born or made? Very topical international lose sleep over question are leaders born or made and let me tell you a bit about Stephen before i officially welcome him so Stephen howard is an award-winning author of 20 leadership marketing and professional development books and the editor of nine personal development books in the project u series he's also a certified health coach helping people on their transformation journey to better health long-term cognitive protection, and longer lives. He specializes in creating and delivering leadership development programs for frontline leaders, mid-level leaders, supervisors, and high-potential leaders. In the past 25 years, he has trained over 10,000 leaders in Asia, Australia, Africa, Europe, and North America. And like he said to me up here, South America and the Caribbean are the only two places he hasn't been, clearly. So he needs to come over on our side. He is well known and recognized for his truly international and multicultural perspective, having lived in the USA for nearly 30 years, in Singapore for 21 years, and in Australia for 12 years. He doesn't look like that, right? If we were to add up all those years. He currently resides in Southern California. Welcome, Stephen, to Between the Lines. Well, thank you. Thank you very much. And I agree we should be on a beach together somewhere. I didn't say together, you know, Stephen. How you joined that? Uh, I don't understand. I'm <laughs> how you should be how you join that cast and crew i don't I, understand you well you don't you don't get anywhere if you don't ask Corrine. That's, <laughs> it's as simple as that <laughs> that's right that's right you put it out there you put it out there and we should be on a beach together doing this interview just chatting and then you know being interrupted by the waves and the birds and yeah and just chilling drinking a I, beer just chilling don't worry I'm saying all that and visualizing it because that's going to happen next time. Well, yeah. that's great. I, I, I'm going to visualize it as well. Yeah. And that will make sure you get to the Caribbean so you could add that to the list of countries you have been. Excellent. Very good. So are leaders born or made or made or born? Whichever one you want to switch it to. You know, I've always had that question asked. You've always heard that discussed in forums, conferences. You know, people who are into leadership is a common is a common question. Is it an either or, you know, one or the other? Could you what 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 are your thoughts on that that question? Well, I agree. I don't think it is either or, or either or. I, I I think everyone can be a leader. I think we all have some leadership DNA in us. But uh, I will say that great leadership or excellent leadership is definitely made. Otherwise, I wouldn't have a career. So I have to feel that way. Um, <laughs> But I, but I do have a, you know, 10,000 uh, case studies to my, my track record that I can uh, talk to you about. But uh, definitely uh, great leadership is a, is a skill that, that needs to be learned 
uh, it needs to be practiced, it needs to be enhanced, and it needs to be inculcated in, in anyone who wants to be a great leader. Yeah, I agree with you. It's not a matter of born or made. I think some people may naturally, yes, naturally possess the qualities. You can see it in them from childhood. You know, um, some people, it takes them a little longer, but we are all made to be leaders if this is the direction that we should go in. And it's just a matter of being around the right people, being in the right environment, having the right stimulus, <clears throat> the right persons to kind of hone that, um, to channel it, to help you to become a better version of yourself, really, which is, which is really what leadership is about, isn't it? Being a better version of yourself. It is. I mean, there, you know, there are three areas that every, every one of us needs to lead. And it starts with, as you just said, it means leading ourselves, number one. Some people get put into positions of leadership, which means they have to lead other people. Uh, and almost all of us, at least if we're in the working world, have to uh, lead our peers at the same time, um, which is kind of an influential position of leadership. I'm talking and I'm muted. So what, what, are the, what are the types of leaders you've seen in your 10,000 case studies? Do you see more made leaders or born leaders? Well, I, 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 the people I see who are successful are the, are the made leaders. The, uh, the born leaders are successful to a point and uh, they grew out of uh, what I would consider the 1970s when we used to have command and control type leadership structures. It was, you know, do it my way or the highway. Mm -hmm. uh, you do it because I'm the boss. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, it's got my name on the door, not yours, that, that kind of an <laughs> attitude. Um, and you can be successful in that. And in some, obviously, some organizations, that's important, such as the military and, and uh, rescue operations. Uh, you, don't, you don't have time for people to debate. They need to follow instructions and somebody mm -hmm. needs to make make those decisions and make those instructions. But really we went from there to the 1980s where we have what I would call the ego or the personality leadership. And you know, you had your Jack Welch at GE, your John Reeds at, at Citibank, uh, you know, the, the Bill Gates at Microsoft, Steve Jobs at Apple, and, and everyone followed them because they had they were just they were perceived as a leader and therefore they were considered infallible. And and of course that led us to the stock market disaster of the late 1980s because all mm -hmm. these so-called infallible leaders were not infallible. Mm -hmm. And um, so now really what we have, and fortunately the younger generation is pushing this upon our leadership ranks, is um, we, we have to understand that as a leader, we have two responsibilities. We have to lead for results mm -hmm. and we have to lead people. And in leading people, that means we have to listen to them, we have to develop them. And so leadership today is a skill mm -hmm. that really requires understanding other individuals and to understand that you have to lead each person differently. You, if you have 12 people reporting to you, you cannot lead all 12 people the same way because they're 12 unique individuals. So leadership has evolved over the years and I'm, I'm, I'm happy where it's at. I'm, I'm pretty, pretty pleased where it's at right now. What, what are the characteristics, if you were to name the top three characteristics of a leader, a good leader, <clears throat> what would that be for you? I would say number one um, is trust. They, you, without trust, that's a foundation. If, you, if people cannot trust you, you will not be successful. But what's different now, trust is more than just telling the truth. Mm -hmm. Trust in today's world means you have to be vulnerable. 
you have to be able to be able to stand in front of your, your people and say, I don't know the answer. I, I, I think I know what we should do, but I'm not sure. I need your help. Mm -hmm. So that, that, that ability to be vulnerable, the ability to be humble is extremely important in leadership. Mm -hmm. um, second point, obviously, is listening. If, if you're going to get people involved, you have to be able to listen to them. And um, one of my pet phrases I came up with a couple years ago is that leaders who, not, who do not listen, so let me say it again. Leaders who do not listen will soon have employees who do not speak to them. And yeah. so, you know, like yeah, if, if the leader always has all the answers or the leader always takes the credit, mm -hmm. um, then um, the people are not going to work for that person. Mm -hmm. um, which goes in line with what we know research shows us is that people don't leave companies. They don't leave organizations. People leave their leaders and they leave their managers. Mm -hmm. And... Mm -hmm. I guess that's the third point would be, you know, there's a big difference between being a manager and a leader. You know, a manager does things the right way. A leader does the right things. Um, a manager focuses on short-term results. A leader focuses on longer-term results. And most importantly, a leader develops other people. A manager has followers. A leader develops other leaders. So I would say those are three of the key differences. Those are fantastic three key differences. And, and I like the, the first one. Well, I like all of them about the vulnerability. You know, when you watch those movies and you watch leaders, they're not supposed to be vulnerable. You know, they're, they're not supposed to show us. It, it looks like a sign of weakness if you ever show yourself to be vulnerable. And all those things that you're pointing out actually has a thread of weakness in it. <laughs> you know, if, if you were to compare it back to the day. It, it is. And, and, and leadership is not just a title. It, it's, it's how you walk the talk. It's what you do as a leader. Um, and the ability to make, to admit a mistake. We're all human beings. Yeah. Yeah. Every leader makes mistakes. Huh. Yeah. A lot of people don't want to admit that. Not even the managers, not even no. parents, not even parents want to admit mistakes. Not even spouses want to admit mistakes. Why? Because they, they think they'll be weakened. They'll think if they can admit they made an error that they won't have, um, people won't believe them going forward. And, and that's not true anymore. I mean, every parent makes mistakes. In fact, I love what you said because parenting and leadership are a lot in common. Exactly. Um, mm -hmm. where, where do people learn their parenting skills? Hmm. They learn their parenting skills from their own parents yeah. and their spouses and their spouse's parents and sometimes mm -hmm. grandparents get involved. Yeah. Um, People lead, learn their leadership skills, uh, unfortunately, just from the leaders that they have seen or been under. Mm -hmm. And that's why leadership development is so important, which is why leaders are made. It's, it's going through a, a formal process of learning about leadership is what differentiates a, a great leader from just an, a manager effectively. So we are the first trainers or <clears throat> role models for our upcoming leaders as parents. What are some tips that you would give to parents who are responsible for a young mind, you know, to, to help them to, to, I wouldn't say create leaders as a matter of saying, force them into something that they don't want to do, but to be able to identify, because I think that's a parent's role, to be able to identify what your children's passion is, just like how your, your website is, Caliente leadership, which is, which is in Spanish, it means hot, you know, um, but you said it also has another meaning of passion. Yes. So leadership is a passionate topic, a passionate area for you. So we as parents are supposed to be able to see 
um, how our children are evolving, what are they displaying, what is their passion, and help them to pursue that passion. What, how, how are we as parents now, especially we are the first, the first point of contact for, for children. We are the first role models. Even before they start school, we are the first role models. It, it goes what, back what, to... Yeah, what, what, what can you say to parents who are responsible for these young, open, empty vessels? <laughs> <laughs> yes, because it's, 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 our, it's our fault for whatever, wherever they become or whatever they do. We have influence into that. Um, and I wouldn't want to take full responsibility because children have a mind of their own. They can make their own decisions after a while. So I'm not going to take full blame for that. We do our best with what we have. But what can you say in forming leaders, helping them to pursue what they are good at, to become a better version of themselves, as opposed to us trying to live vicariously through them and making them, you know, making them become a version of us <laughs> yeah. that, that shouldn't be. I wonder if you're understanding what I'm saying. I, I, I think it goes back to the same three things, Corrine. It, it, it goes back to being humble. It goes back to listening. Uh, it goes back to trust is a two-way street. We have to trust children to, to make their own ways. We have to understand that and what's interesting, if you have three children, they're all unique personalities. Uh, one child might develop it at 18 the other might develop at 22 the the third one might not even develop till they're like 30 they yeah. just take longer they're all they're all different mm -hmm. um so i think it's listening to the children i think it's also and it's the same thing concept i tell managers it's the way you give feedback to people mm -hmm. feedback is not designed just to to correct mistakes feedback is to encourage them on what they're doing right and to help them develop new skills or new areas to help them improve. Um, I mean, I often talk to parents in, in my classroom and, and I say, when your child comes home with three A's, two B's and a C on the report card, what do you want to focus on? The and C. everyone says, the C. Yeah, exactly, exactly. They're, they're going to kill them for the C. That's why? wrong. Why? That's wrong. Because yes, why? Here's, what, here's what we know is that if you focus on that C and you tell them they got to get better at that one subject and they will, they'll bring that C up to a B if they have the aptitude or skills mm -hmm. to do so. But one of the A's will slip and one of the A's will Something's become a B as well. Something is going to say, all the A's become C while that C become an A. So that's not the <laughs> outcome you want. You got the exact same grade point average as the previous semester. That's not the outcome that you want. But so do they care about the grade point average? They care about the letters and the alphabet. There was some three do. A's, two B's and a C. And, and so, so I'm, I'm stressing you to get the C up. So, hey, the A's <laughs> got to go, the B's got to go. And you said you wanted the C move, so I did that. I exactly. moved to an A. What's your problem? Exactly. <laughs> so instead of the first conversation the parent should have would be, hey, you got three A's. That's wonderful. You got an A in history. What, what, what are you studying? What do you enjoy? What's the teacher like? And yeah. then eventually have a conversation about what is it that you're doing in history? What could you apply to that biology C that you got? What could you do differently? Uh, mm -hmm. And let it come from the child rather than mm -hmm. telling them mm -hmm. you're grounded or you have to do more studying or oh, you can't, geez. blah, blah, blah. I know parents don't like me, but I guarantee mm -hmm. you'll get the results. Well, they will uh, hate me. I tell well, you, they don't like you, but they would hate me because I don't focus on the C. I'm like, you're doing great. C in biology, I am so happy for you. You did awesome. Yeah. <laughs> 
And not, yeah. not everyone needs to be a biologist, quite frankly. Exactly. You know, like, if you're doing well in, in, in the three A's and the two B's, what the hell? Why why you need to hold on to the C? You're and, doing pretty okay. You know, and it's, it's, it's and if you're doing well interpersonally, because if you yeah. you know, everyone's concerned about their children and, and the work life, the world today is is not running around being a sole sole person as an individual contributor in, in one functionality or there are some of those but not many you have to interact with other people your social skills are so critical your your listening skills your communication but nobody skills. cares about that Stephen. Well, nobody they cares need to. about that they're well, not they... thinking about that that's why relationships are mashing up because nobody's listening to anybody they just want their voice to be heard and move along move along Absolutely. And that, and yeah, what? Even worse, if you want to take this on a macro basis, we only listen to those people who speak the same as us. We, only listen, <laughs> we only listen to the same cable news channel. Um, unless you're like me, I don't listen to cable news. Well, I, refuse I don't watch, watch TV. Cable news. No, right. Well, we yeah. would live well on the island. We exactly. would live well. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I watch a few good movies, but I'm not going to sit there and be hearing the same song and dance, exactly. you know? Exactly. The negativity playing over and over and over. I am not, I'm not giving you my time or space or energy. No, I have better things to do, like hanging out with Stephen on the beach. Hmm? Well, I tell you what, one of my favorite leadership heroes, and I wrote a book, I, I use some of his examples that is uh, Captain, um, uh, sorry, I just lost it. Um, Jack, Captain Jack Sparrow. Oh, I love him. <laughs> it, it's, it's, you know, it, it is not the problem. It's what, how you see the problem is the problem. It's how you view the problem is what the problem is. So is that exactly. And he never had a problem. He, of course, and if he did, he got out of it. You know, every so, time, every exactly. time, whether he drank his way out of it, whatever, yeah. it was always solved. Yeah, absolutely. Always solved. So it's, it's a, uh, I love Jack Sparrow. I love Jack Sparrow. He's just like, yeah, the way to go. Absolutely. Yeah, but I mean, there's so much to learn from leadership. And, and you know, people are, are, are craving to become this so-called leader. What if, what if you're not a leader, Stephen? What, it, it, and hold on, hold on. Let me, let me just explain that. We are calling it leaders, but if somebody gave that title, whoever the hell came up with that, gave that title and status, <clears throat> and you feel you have to be assigned that to be somebody. What if somebody didn't tightly or designate you a leader or called you a leader or you're perceived as a leader? Does that make you any less of a person or of no. a leader? No, not at all. I mean, I, I know a lot of people who are, you know, they're IT, highly, you know, in, in certain functionalities, um, they are great sole contributors or individual contributors. They, and I, I know people, I've coached people and, and people sometimes, uh, you know, they've been put into a leadership position and, and they don't like it. They don't want, they want to go back. A, a research chemist, he, person just, he or she just wants to be in the laboratory doing their research. Mm -hmm. um, it's not that they don't like people. They don't want the responsibility of leadership. They only want to manage themselves and their project. Hey, they're still, they're still highly valuable to an organization. Mm -hmm. The mistake organizations make is they take these high performers, these high individual performers, and they turn them, they, they give them the title of manager or leader. They throw them in the deep end of the pool with no training and they sink. Um, Sometimes, I mean, the best salesperson in the world does, is not necessarily a good sales leader. A, good, a great salesperson knows how to sell. They know how they can sell. They mm -hmm. can't teach other people how to sell. 
And so there's nothing wrong with not being a leader. We don't, we don't, not everyone can be a leader. Not everyone should be a leader. But, but you can be a leader in your own right. You may not be a leader in a corporation. You may not be a leader of a country. You may be a leader in your community. You may be a leader in your church. You may be a leader in your own home. You may be a leader for the young boys or the young girls where you live. Absolutely. You You know, so you don't have to fight for leadership in a political, economical, no, you know, or any corporation type of sense. We are all leaders in our own way, form, and shape. Absolutely. And if nothing else, we lead ourselves. But, but the same skills, though, if you want to be successful as a leader in a community, in your church, you want to be a, a baseball coach or a basketball coach, uh, um, or if you want to be a manager or leader in an organization, it's the same skills. It's the same people exactly. skills that are, that are critical. And that, but people have to learn that. And unfortunately, that's, again, that's why the people who are great baseball coaches, they don't care about the one loss record. They care about developing their children. They, mm-hmm. they, develop, they want to develop the skills of the children that they're coaching. Yeah, winning's great. Mm-hmm. I'm, and, you know, no one likes to lose. And I'm not saying don't worry about one win loss record completely. But if you work on developing their skills, eventually they will win more games. Yeah. Um, Build their self esteem, their self worth. Yeah. And they'll have more self confidence. And I think if you're leading youth, that, the, I, I would suggest the number one thing you want to do when you're leading youth is, is develop their self confidence. And there's nothing wrong with losing because by losing, you know, you're able to learn so much. And it's how you take the loss. There are some people that take loss so horribly that they go inward and they feel bad about themselves. It's their fault. They start doing this inner torture. It's how you deal with the loss. And if you take the loss so well and, and, and you have that sort of respect for the winning team that, hey, we regard you for, for winning, you know, you know it, it, it's just how you respond to the whole thing. And how the team feels. You still celebrate anyway. You were part of a game. You were part of an experience. It's not a matter of, oh, everybody goes home. Their head is, is sulking. They're right. upset. They start pointing. That's not the approach. And on contrast to that, I've seen in many situations, a leader of a team in the in workplace or in an organization, they can win something. They can win a deal. They, win, they, they launch a new product successfully. But you ask that same team to work again together, they cannot. They become dysfunctional. Um, so you get a one-time win, and that's why I say a lot of those kind of command and control leaders burn out. They, they don't have followers. They have people who do the job because they have to do the job, and then that, they're, they're no longer a team. Um, so I'd much rather have a functional team and get 80% of the way towards a goal and then be able to work together towards the next goal than a, than a dysfunctional team that might achieve a short-term objective. And then you've got to start all over again uh, when you want the next project to be completed. It's all about a bigger picture. What really is a bigger picture? And it's not a matter of being selfish about it either. It's not about Stephen. It's not about Corrine. It's, 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 it's a bigger, grander purpose. Absolutely. That's where the humility comes in. There was a research study done of over 10,000 leaders um, in, around the world, and it showed those who were long-term the most successful were the ones who shared credit with the team and didn't take credit for other people's work. Yeah, yeah. That, oh, yes. I love that. And, I, and Because you realize it's for the team. It's not about you. What, who would you say, <clears throat> Stephen, would be your top three leaders in the world? top three leaders in the world and why 
what is a quality in each one of them that make you decide to select those persons? Well, the first one that comes to mind would be Howard Schultz, who, who founded Starbucks, left Starbucks, and then went back when Starbucks hit a, a, a bump, and now he's left again. But I think his, his whole <laughs> philosophy is that our employees are first, our customers are second, our shareholders are third, and if you don't like that, don't invest in our stock. And I thought just that open, honest transparency of, of where his focus is is so great. Um, I, I really respected that, admired that from, from a business world. Um, you know, I have to be honest with you, thinking of three great leaders in today's society is very difficult, quite honestly. Um, it doesn't uh, have to be today, just overall, history in oh. your lifetime. Oh, history in my lifetime. Um, uh, Lee Kuan Yew from Singapore. Now, he's, he's the opposite, but he was the right man for the right time. He was a, a benevolent dictator, so to speak. He was a very hard leader, very, you know, the com control and command. But he took a backwater island in the 1960s and turned it into the developing you know, country that it is today. Uh, yeah. I've often said that it's a shame Lee Kuan Yew wasn't born in the Philippines. Um, yeah. Singapore, Singapore yeah. had two and a half million people or, or so when he took over, maybe two million. You know, the Philippines is something like 120 million or something. Yeah. I mean, imagine what the Philippines would be today if Lee Kuan Yew had run that country in the 60s and 70s uh, yeah. rather than Ferdinand Marcos and, and the people who followed him and, and the oligarchies. Yeah, that, that I've heard about Singapore. And I really, I've always said I need to really sit down and do some research and read up on that. But I've, I mean, I ho the whole world heard, heard about that, that whole turnaround. You know, yeah. some people didn't like it, but the man turned the place around. And the third one I'm going to give you is kind of off the wall, but just for fun, you've got a great listener group there in the Caribbean and worldwide. So let's have some fun. I would say the third leader I most admire is, is Yoda. Yoda. <laughs> Yoda. Yeah. And the reason for that is he's a philosophical leader. He understands, he looks at the big picture. He looks at the vision, but more importantly, he looks inside himself. And, and a, a strong leader has to lead from within. They have to understand themselves mm -hmm. and they have to understand their own values and their own principles and then stick to those principles yeah. and those values. And I think that's what, you know, the character Yoda teaches us in, in those Star Wars movies. So oh, yeah. uh, I know that's probably not the, the answer you're looking for, but it's, a, it's, a, it's something for your listeners and, and viewers to, uh, to think about. There's no right or wrong. There's no right or wrong in the answer. And it's your choice. And I mean, I love the three that you, that you mentioned and you pick Yoda. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because he's this little, little, look at the size of him. He's a, He's this little thing with big eyes and, and yep. you know, funny looking, I suppose, to the average person with those ears. But he's wisdom, walking wisdom. He is. He is. Walking I mean, the, I, wisdom. Doesn't say much, but when he does, it's powerful words, yeah? It is. And I tell leaders the most important two-word sentence ever written in humanity is, um, comes from Greece, and it, it's, it's called, know thyself. And right. every leader to yeah. know thyself they have to know themselves and once you know yourself and and you know and that means how tolerant are you of mistakes yeah. um how are you going to develop people you know what are your values what are your core values what are your principles know yourself and then you can you can be a better leader and you can create your own leadership philosophy which is critical to be a great leader know thyself I think that was also written, if I recall correctly, since we're talking movies and trading some movies here, in The Matrix. I think it was on the, um, 
a plaque on the wall when Neo, I don't know if you have seen the movie, Neo went to see the Oracle. It's written there at the top when she was baking the cookies or something. I can't it remember. Could be. I, don't, I don't remember that scene, but it could be. I, I, that, unfortunately, that was one of the uh, 2000 movies I've seen on airplanes in my life, and I don't remember <laughs> most of those. <laughs> yes, Know Thyself. Yes, I remember that. It is written. It is written. If you Google it, it is written there on, on, the, yeah. on the top of the, the door when he entered. It's written. I can't remember if it's in English or some other language, but it's there. Know Thyself. Yeah, it was originally Greek. And, yeah, it uh, so probably was, was in Greek. I can't remember. But, you know, the story behind that is really, he, he didn't really know himself. But she saw things in him that he didn't know. And everybody saw the potential, which happens also with people. You see the potential in them, but they are not coming of fruition. They're not, they're not able to, to come off in, into themselves because... For whatever reason, they have limiting beliefs, they are stopping themselves, they are fearful, um, you know, they don't have the right persons around them, they just, you know, and that's another thing, Stephen, people, there are some leaders that find themselves on, on a journey, up and down, valleys, hills, you know, pain, all sorts of things before they could really become who they are meant to become. I mean, biblically, we have, it has been proven. People have gone through all sorts of things, you know. Um, God, I don't know if you're a believer, but I am, you know, has told them, that, you know, things are placed in them, gifts are placed in each one of us here on this earth. And they just fight it. They run from it. They do everything else except what they are supposed to be. And eventually, they stop the running. Well, they have no choice because this is who you are meant to be on this earth. And so people, you know, maybe misguided, may know deep within, just like how you talk about Yoda, deep within, you know who you are. You must know yourself. You hear it. It comes in dreams. It show up on the TV. Somebody tell you. People tell you, do you know you have this? I see this in you. I see people tell you, but you just don't want to accept. What would you say to, to persons who are on that journey, struggling, dipping, diving, avoiding, running, fear, the drinking, drugs? being in gangs, whatever it may be, and they have so much potential and they are running from it. Look within, look within, look, understand what are your desires? What is it you want? Go, go with the journey, uh, obviously, other than the drugs, the violence and the gangs, um, but you know, outside those things that are limiting and holding your back, then you've got to get rid of those things. But for everyone else who's got all the normal life's ups and downs and, you know, um, people get fired. I, I know many people successfully, you know, they get fired and they go on to something else and it turns out, hey, that was what they were meant to do. So yeah, yeah. understand yourself and go take it. The other thing is take advantage of every opportunity that comes your way. Yeah. I was I was 23 years old when my company in Dallas, Texas said, hey, we have an overseas assignment you'd like, uh, like you to consider. I thought, oh, good, I'm moving to England because I spoke no foreign languages. And they said, <laughs> no, no, it's not England, it's Singapore. And this is so long ago, Kareem, that I went home that, that evening. And the first thing I did is I, like, 
I actually, I went to my father's house and I opened up the Encyclopedia Britannica that he had. So look for Singapore. And I looked up Singapore and it said the largest, largest newspaper in Singapore is the English Daily Straits Times. I thought, well, if the largest paper is English, I can live there. Because <laughs> <laughs> I knew nothing about it. I mean, you know, this is 1980. I knew nothing yeah. about Singapore. Mm -hmm. And um, so, but I took the advantage of the opportunity. A few years later, a company came along and said, we'd like to hire you as a salesperson. I said, I've never sold anything in my life. Said, you sell every, you sell every day. You sell your ideas. You, you convince people. I said, well, if you'll take a risk on me, I'll take a risk on you. And, and that was Time Magazine. Time right. Magazine hired me and I ended up as the regional director running all of South Asia from Brunei to Pakistan for five and a half years. Um, so <laughs> grab the opportunity to come along, get rid of labels. Don't, don't yeah. say to yourself that you're this or that. I used to call myself, I'm a marketing person. Yeah. No, I, I, you know, like I got out of marketing. I got into leadership. I don't call myself. The only thing I call myself is an author because I've written 20 <laughs> books, published 20 books. So until they find a, until they find another title for that. In the meantime, you're using yeah. the word author. <laughs> yeah, so so just drop la labels are limiting. You put a label That's on somebody right. else, you limit them. You put a label on yourself, you limit you yourself. yourself. Yeah. Don't be limited. Be unlimited. Ah, uh, know there's thyself. A, there know you go. There's thyself. a there's a bumper sticker for you. Don't be limited. Be unlimited. Unlimited. Yay! Okay, you heard that on between the lines. That's there between me and Stephen on the beach. It was created right here. <laughs> absolutely. Absolutely. Stephen, oh my gosh, tell me, I, I'm supposed to have your website here. Let me switch across. One second. I'm going to come back to the front page here. Yeah. And I'm going to share my screen. Uh, here we go. Here we go. That's it. Yeah. So... So two things about the website I'll point out to, to people is you'll see there in the top something called resources. Please yeah. click on that. Yeah, there you go. And you'll see on the far hand right side, I have recommended leadership books I recommend. But yeah. more important, there you go. Click on leadership articles, if you will, Kareem. Yeah. Mm -hmm. There you go. And if technology works, <laughs> what I do scroll down a little bit for me if you would every month right there you'll see in february every month i list 15 to 20 articles on leadership that i've read wow. i give you the title of it the name of the publication and a hyperlink to the article wow. I'm, a big, I'm a big believer in paying it forward so every wow. month come to my website there you go there's something there if you want to learn something about leadership there's an article about it um so and if you can't scroll through all of these, just go to the search for the topic and I'm sure it will pull it up for you. Most likely, most likely. <laughs> Again, there's a bunch of books, not just mine, but other books I recommend to others. Um, but, you know, um, there you go. So just go up a, a couple of points on your map. No, go down to leadership books. Mm -hmm. There you go, down leadership books. And again, I make it very easy for people. Mm -hmm. Click on the cover of the book. Uh, so here on the here, great book, The Leadership Killer by Bill Treasure. It talks all about humility and an age of arrogance. If you click on that, it takes you right to Amazon. If you're Let's a prime customer, there you go. No, I, can't, I can't make it any easier for you. Click on <laughs> buy now and it's yours. Uh, uh, for the, hey, by the way, for the women in your audience, that book yeah. on the far hand, right hand side, Shift into Thrive. It was the first one I touched, you know this? 
Yeah. And I didn't know it was for women. This was the first one I touched. It's about resiliency for women and how to, and it's a great book um, by Lynn Schmidt, Dr. Lynn Schmidt. She lives in Idaho um, and her colleague, Dr. Kevin Norris wrote this book. I think it's been out about 18 months, maybe two years now. Highly recommend it. Actually, guys can read it as well, but uh, it's, it's written with the woman in mind. And then, of course, the book on the far left, if you don't mind me a little plug, that's my latest book, Better Decisions. I don't mind. This is your website after all. (laughs) Thank you very much. Uh, That book talks about using principles of mindfulness, Mm -hmm. uh, how to to get out of stress, Mm -hmm. how to stop making bad decisions, Mm -hmm. uh, and and, uh, think and and have better outcomes so um you see mindfulness there we... let's round off the show with mindfulness since you mentioned that okay instead of being mindful of crap you needed to add that in mindful of crap to be <laughs> mindful, to being mindful what's what's what do you mean by mindfulness mindful is simply being present it has nothing to do with yoga you don't have to become a buddhist to become mindful mindful just means getting rid of distraction being fully focused uh, right here on now don't don't be listening to somebody and looking at your email or your text messages at yeah. the same time. Yeah. Um, but more importantly, mindful helps you reduce stress. And stress, when the body goes into stress, mm-hmm. cortisol hits the brain, hmm. and cortisol triggers emotional reactions. Mm-hmm. And this is how we what we get emotionally hijacked, and we we literally cannot think straight. And so mindfulness means stopping, pausing, breathing, and getting our rational part of our brain back into control so that we can make better decisions. This is the side that goes kapawi, and this yes. is the calm side, the mindful side. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. <laughs> and the thinking behind this and the thinking behind the book is, is when I got trained as a rescue diver many years ago, and the first thing you're trained really? is, yes, as a rescue diver is stop and evaluate, assess. Because if you jump in the water, uh, to try and rescue somebody, you go underneath to try and rescue somebody who may be trapped, say they got caught in the coral, got, got their leg caught somewhere. If you don't think and look, you might be, there might be other dangers in the water that you're not aware of. So you have to stop and, and assess. And this is what all emergency responders are taught. And this is why they're called first responders, not first reactors. Most <laughs> Most leaders are reactors, and this book is is to encourage leaders to become first responders in their business. Slow down, pause, and think. When you react, you make bad decisions. You make bad judgments. You you don't assess all the data to you. And so a first reactor as a leader is is a killer, basically. And it gives you bad outcomes. So there you go. Slow down, slow down, pause, control your breathing. You know, be aware, take in, you know, take in, consider the what ifs. Ask questions, don't Ask just questions. make decisions. Yeah. Absolutely. And there's Absolutely. no rush, there's no rush because I, I mean, there are some things you need to make a split decision, yes? Um, but most of the times you don't need to make a rush decision. Most of the times you don't. Yes, if it's an emergency, if there's uh, somebody in danger or safety issue, yes, you sometimes you do have to react. There's no doubt about it. But mostly in the business world, the organizational world, you know, we, we create our own crises because we make bad decisions in the first place. And then we have to make another decision later. To how undo to undo it. Yeah. To undo the damn decision. My goodness, Stephen. Mm. Absolutely. So, yes, but I love this book. Better decisions, better thinking, better outcomes. Just from one approach, a change in your approach, mindfulness, being present, 
you know, stop, assess, think. Yeah. Yeah. Love. Love and, the book, and the book has some techniques to how to become mindful in the workplace. Again, it has nothing to do with yoga or meditation. Mm -hmm. Mindful just means, as you said, calming down, breathing properly, and getting refocused. And there's many ways to do And controlling your anger. There's many yeah. ways to do that. And taking the time. If people are trying to push you, you say, hold up, stop right there. Go into your Absolutely. office, take, take a breather, pour yourself a drink if you need to, and just relax. The answers are going to come to you. And, of course, I believe in praying. Praying always gives you the answers. <laughs> well, prayer prayer is mindful. I mean, if you if somebody's deeply in prayer, they are they are highly mindful at, at that. Oh, yes. For however long their prayer lasts, yeah. they are in a mindful state. That's my approach to everything. Prayer. I'm telling you, <laughs> that's my approach to everything. So if you're talking mindful, that's me. Yeah. Mindful. Yeah. I I from the time I feel myself getting all, you know, you start to feel the 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 anxiety start building up. The, the, you know, the resentment, the anger, whatever the emotions may be based on the situation. I'm like, no, 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 no. I'm not going there. I'm not going there. And I just, I just say, stop, take a breather, start breathing. I stop everything, shut down my computer, everything. I just stop, no phones, no nothing. Yeah. And I just go into silence. And every parent should do the same thing because every parent reacts instead of responds. Oh, and, Lord. And, and, we all do. Listen, yeah, you know, it's, yeah. We're but, human. That's but, if we, part. but if we wouldn't, we would be better parents. Yeah. And we need to catch ourselves. You see, it comes back to awareness. You need to catch yourself when you start feeling these things happening within you. Yeah. You know, the triggers, these things, you, you, you catch it and you're like, okay, I'm aware of this is happening. I got to put a stop to it. Calm Absolutely. down. And don't let anybody force you to give them an answer. You don't have to give anybody an answer. No. You don't the, other, the other advantage, Corrine, is that is we, if we would reduce stress, stress is a leading indicator of dementia, Alzheimer's, and stroke. Are you and serious? No, I'm not. And that's one of the reasons I wrote that book, because unfortunately, my father had Alzheimer's in his later years. And wow. um, as a matter of fact, um, obesity in midlife accelerates brain age by 10 years. Wow. And men, men are the worst. Men who pack on the most abdominal fat by their 40s. So people think that Alzheimer's, dementia is an old person's disease. It's not. It starts in our 30s and 40s. So men who put on the most abdominal fat by their 40s are the most likely to develop dementia in their later lives. Wow. Yeah. And so that's one of the key messages of the book is, is to understand. Get, and that's why I got into health coaching, quite frankly. I, I, I try to help people to understand this linkage between excess body weight and long-term brain health. And, and if you're concerned about your long-term brain health, one of the first places to start is to understand how to get your weight under control and get yourself in, have, develop better healthy habits uh, yeah. to protect your brain. Everything starts at the core, you know. That core is, 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 the, is the epicenter of everything, you know. Once my core is weak, I know everything else isn't as it should be. It affects my brain. It affects the, the lower extremities. You know, everything else. Your sleep, your, you know, you just, it's just affected. So once you're, you have a strong core, you know, when I say core, I mean that midsection, that abdominal yep. section, that cavity. Absolutely. Have, yeah. Once you see getting out of control, then something you, you need to start working on it. And although we're not supposed to be talking about that, but it just shows the, the linkages of everything, you know, in terms of, of being a better leader, in terms of, of, of whole mindfulness, 
because you can't be mindful if you hear your belly grumbling and if you hear (laughs) (laughs) well not only that but recent scientific research shows that people with too much belly fat actually have smaller brains oh my god let's not go there seriously (laughs) seriously are you serious yeah i'm absolutely serious is um you know (laughs) i don't know you when i grew up i was taught that our brain stops growing when we reach somewhere about 22 to 25. But now with recent technology, science knows that we continue to develop brain cells. We, our brain can continue to increase in size well into our 70s. But if we have the wrong healthy habits, if we, you know, we drink those sugar drinks, if we oh, allow our body to become you know, excessive weight, if yeah. we allow stress to you yeah. know, emit cortisol throughout our system, We're this is what ages yourself. the brain. This yeah, is what- yeah. Yep. We're killing them out. And so, then we're not we're not exercising that muscular brain, you know, with new information, new knowledge, things to bring joy and happiness. So that your cells will feel happy. I believe in my cells being happy you know. Do you know I see my cells as jumping up and having a party every day? And if uh-huh. I am not yeah, if if my cells are not telling me I'm I'm happy, I'm I'm having a party, I need to do something to have a party, my cells must be having a party well. every day. And, and as long as you're doing that through clean living and not through alcohol and drugs, good on you. <laughs> yeah. If my cells are not jumping and I see my cells and I keep coming back to that animation, Osmosis Jones. I don't know if you ever saw that, but it's a lovely animation as a movie, a lovely animation of how the body works. And when I looked at that, it was just a lovely way to explain how your body works together. You know, every, everybody does its own thing and, and how they communicate and work as a team. And if you do something to the body, what it does, you know, so my cells must be happy. They must Good. all be happy having a party, drinking, drinking, you know, dancing, hanging out on the beach in my body. You know, they must be doing all of that. Well, dancing is a great exercise. You don't have to run a marathon to be fit. Go dancing every day. I, I dance all the time. I'm there dancing tomorrow. I'm dancing Thursday night. I'm dancing on on, on the weekend, I dance all the time. So I must be having a party all the time. And not only do your feet benefit from that, but so does your brain. I love it. <laughs> I love it. I love it. So forget leadership. Go partying <laughs> and dancing. <laughs> well, have, have some of your listeners call me in. I'll, I'll fly over the Caribbean and do some coaching or some workshops and we can go dancing together on the beach How's that? oh my god don't go there stephen don't go there you will not want to go back to where you are i'm telling you right, that's okay nothing that's holding right. me down here <laughs> you're fine with that <laughs> i i can i can i can adjust i can adapt <laughs> i can adjust how quickly how quickly you switch i guess <laughs> <laughs> Look, I, I'm just a I'm just a single guy living in the desert. So you know, put, <laughs> show me a beach, I'll be there immediately. <laughs> How quickly we adjust! You did not even think about that. Did you meditate on that, Stephen? You did no. not even get mindful on that thing. You're like, no, not at all. I'm ready. No. I can adjust. I thought I've thought about it, and I know exactly how to respond to that. <laughs> <laughs> you did not even get mindful. You did not even pray. You were like, I can switch. I can switch. (laughs) There you go. There you go. 
I love it. Stephen, I had a lot of fun talking to you. Oh, my goodness. I did too, Corrine. This was fabulous. This was fabulous. I wonder if anybody learned anything from us. I hope so. But <laughs> if not, hopefully they had some fun. Had a yeah. few giggles. <laughs> <laughs> this is absolute fun. Thank you so much, Stephen, for, for sharing your wisdom of how many years. We don't want to add it up. We know you're not that old. But I'm young at heart. <laughs> That's all we need to know. That's all we need to know. Yeah, Absolutely. so sharing your Absolutely. wisdom, teaching us about, you know, being leaders, and we're all leaders in our own right. Whether somebody put the label on you or not, you know within yourself that you are a leader. Nobody well, thank put the label on you, yeah? Thank you very much for having me as your guest, and I, uh, I hope your show continues to be as successful as it has been so far. Thank you, my darling, and that is affirmation. It has been successful, and it will continue to be so. Thank you, my love. Thank I appreciate you, my it. My pleasure. Thank you.